Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. One Broken Cog, the podcast of all podcasts, going hard in the paint like LBJ, who just won his fourth NBA championship just last night. You know, we have some recurring themes on the show, and that's because certain topics that we cover are not that simple. Techniques are constantly being refined and strategies innovated. And we've collaborated with the best and celebrated the fruits of our labor in the forms of success for our listeners and clients. But it's also due to no business team or business owner being the same. Each one's unique and there's no one size fits all system or approach. You can just plug in to solve all the problems a business faces. However, there are fundamental high level foundational changes that you can make that will start businesses off on the right path. These changes, systems, processes will lay the foundation that a good coach will be able to build on by recommending and implementing a custom game plan or playbook for that specific unique business. This, of course, leads to long-term success and sustainability. Now, the reason I mention this is that there are so many fakes and wannabes out there causing confusion in the marketplace. Now, just because you read books doesn't mean you're an expert, okay? Learning something without putting it into practice is not learning at all. And most of these clowns have never done what they're coaching or training you to do. So it's literally the blind leading the blind. Well, my guest today is not one of those people. She's a genuine article. She's a member of the One Broken Cog movement. She's an experienced business and executive coach that helps business leaders learn how to run their companies versus their companies running them. Now, who I'm referring to is none other than Aaron Mack. Now, Aaron has been a coach for 15 years and has been a successful entrepreneur for 20 years. She has all the business acumen to help companies create the outcomes they want, whether that be to scale up, reach monetary goals, reach industry goals, prepare and sell, whatever it may be. And as importantly, she facilitates a mindset workshop that helps develop leaders so they can enjoy the company again, create a company culture that's productive and inspired, and find balance between their professional and personal lives. Aaron, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome to the One Broken Cog podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, that was quite the intro. <laughs> I was like, wait, am I going to live up to that? Yes, I am. <laughs> Man, I'm fired up, you know. I'll tell you, you know what, I got an open challenge for any of these, you know, the Italians, they call them fugazis, right, out there to come on the show and take me on. They're all running scared. You know, they realize, they know that the fraud is going to be exposed. Their scheme that they call a business will be over. But it, I'll tell you, if any, by any chance, any of these clowns accept, I'll have you come on as a moderator. You can, you can do that for me. <laughs> okay, I accept anytime. That sounds like fun. <laughs> well, you know, to to frame it up, Aaron. You know, I do get fired up some from time to time, as you can tell. But I get fired up because you, you think about this: organizations worldwide spend roughly three hundred six billion dollars on leadership development efforts. Right now, the Harvard Business Review they surveyed, mm -hmm. I think it was three hundred twenty nine organizations, and found that. 75% of them rated their leadership development programs as not very effective. So why aren't they getting the, any bang for the buck? Why is there no ROI there? Well, the research found that it's likely because most leadership development efforts overlook a specific attribute that is foundational to how leaders think, learn, and behave. It's their mindsets. And you and I, Aaron, both know to be a great leader, you need the right mindset. Now, I know you run a mindset workshop that helps develop leaders. I'd love to hear the details and how you approach this, your approach to it. Yeah, so it's a six-hour course um, that I break up into one, uh, it's virtual course, and it's uh, one hour for six weeks. And we cover a whole host of topics, but there are two tenets that I teach from. One is the dominant thoughts that you think are what create your reality. Um, and 
I don't think that's a difficult thing for most people to understand. We think about, uh, you know, we won't have this goal. We think about it a bunch of times. We take action towards it, and it comes to fruition in one way or another. Um, so, but the second piece of the tenets that I teach is taking personal responsibility for what you've created. If number one is true, then you would be responsible for the outcomes that you're creating. And this can be super challenging for some people because they go to the place of blame. And when in fact, what it really is, is it's empowering to know that if I change the thought patterns, the habitual things that I think about, then I could create different outcomes. And that's really what change is about. For me, change happens in three parts. First is awareness that something needs to change. Uh, sometimes that comes in a harsh reality and or doesn't feel good or um, not the outcome that I wanted. Second is um, strategy or tools to combat whatever that is. And third is this, which I think is the most difficult piece, is the practice piece, right? How do we practice a new way of thinking, a new way of being in order to create a different result? So we talk about that kind of stuff. We talk about um, belief constructs that happen at a young age that are still sort of running our show in terms of you know, what we think this world is about and um, expectations, how they can be kind of our downfall in terms of if I have an expectation about an outcome and it doesn't happen that way, um, sometimes it'll bring people to their knees. Um, and then we talk about emotions, what they are, what they're signaling, not because we want to get all woo-woo and or, you know, everybody crying kumbaya, more because our emotions are the things that are signaling to us the areas where we can have the greatest amount of growth in mindfulness, uh, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and all of those things affect business um, because uh, when you have those things in line, uh, then you can form like deep, meaningful relationships, which I believe is the core of why we exist as humans. Yeah, no, I love that. Let me ask you a question here. I just came up when you were answering. What do you think about willing something into existence, right? And what I mean by that, to kind of frame it up, at one point, just as an example, I trained in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I didn't have any experience. I remember asking the instructor, can I get involved in the beginner's class? He said, no, 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 go to the advanced class because they'll take care of you. If you go to the beginner's class, it's like two bulls in a china shop. I mean, it's just a, an absolute disaster. You're going to get hurt. So they had this drill where they had these huge workout balls. You know those big bouncy balls you sit on? They're massive. Like some people have them at a desk. They would roll these balls from one opposite side of the room, and you had to jump over and tuck and do a full head roll, on, you know, if you can envision that. And I had never done this. At the time, I think I weighed like 185 pounds. and I, you know, I just did. I literally willed it into existence. I, it was positive visualization. And I went out there and did exactly what I thought I would do. It was unbelievable. I don't know if you've experienced that or if you believe in any of that. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It, so the mind is so fascinating and I don't want to get into a huge conversation about it because I've studied it for a really long time. But the thing is, it'll have you believe things um, and it will have you limit what you think is possible. And so one of the ways, I'll just give you a quick example. When I, I've always worked out because I was an athlete for my, almost my whole life. And um, when I was introduced to CrossFit gyms and I went, um, 
I would look at the workout and go, there's no way I could do that. And day after day, I would just kick some butt in the gym. And I was just like, it blew my mind. And the thing is, is it's not, I mean, part of it is when you open up to what is possible, then anything is possible. But the other piece is when you just set your mind to it and you decide to do something, regardless of whether you think you can or not, you just go for it. Nine times out of 10, you can do that thing, whatever it is. It's the mind that has you thinking that you cannot. The body will just follow. I mean, everybody, I've, I used to live in Kona where they have the Iron Man, the one that everybody wants to be in. And everybody I talked to that was professional or amateur athlete, they said that the amount of, obviously you have to train for the race, but the biggest piece is the mental piece because that'll get you out of it every single time. It really is. You know, that doubt creeps in and you, you really limit yourself. And if you have that, that mental sharpness, you know, all the greatest athletes tell you it's more mental than it is physical. I mean, what do you think carries you through when your body doesn't respond? You're running a marathon or you're in the, you know, the fifth round of a world title fight and you're running on instincts. It's your, really the mental toughness that gets you through it. You know, recently I've been focusing and I've been talking a lot on the podcast about growth mindset and fixed mindset. But I, you know, recently I learned about there's a learning mindset and a performance mindset. And what a learning mindset is involves being motivated toward increasing your competence and mastering something new, like we talked about. And a performance mindset involves being motivated toward gaining favorable judgments or, you know, avoiding negative judgments about your own competence, kind of like a people pleaser. So leaders with a learning mindset compared to those with a performance mindset are more mentally primed to increase their competence, engage in deep level learning strategies, seek out feedback and exert more of an effort. So they're also persistent, adaptable and to co cooperate and tend to perform at a higher level there's so much to it, right? To getting involved in the mindset. I know that you've wrote a whole book on this, but you know, I'd love to talk to you about, you know, you and I were talking offline a little bit about how to recruit and retain top performer employees. Now I know you have a course coming up on this and the aim is you want to, of course, allow businesses to multiply their productivity, profitability, and eliminate stress. Even during COVID-19 would love to talk to you about that course and what that entails. Yeah, so it's it's super exciting. Okay, so yeah, we have these challenges, right? There's stuff going on. We're working from home. You know, there's uh, technical issues. There's the issue of um, culture. Like, where's the culture gone in my company? Because we can no longer stand at the water cooler and have a chat about the weekend. On top of that, there's some fundamental pieces that I am noticing through the work that I do with companies that are just missing. Um, the first part of which is not sexy. <laughs> you know, putting down your mission and your goals for your company, but absolutely vital. If you are as a company owner or if you're running a company or you're in a leadership position, higher up even middle management, if you don't know or have an established mission for your company, like what are you doing and why, more importantly, why is, why do we exist? Not to, you know, promote X product or whatever, like the real why, like why are we coming together as a community to, you know, move this product or service or whatever? And that foundational piece of having a mission, customers feel that. If you don't know which, why you're doing what you're doing, they don't know either. You know, so maybe you have the product at the moment, but we want to, 
I mean, business is built on relationships. And if you don't create a relationship out of the gate because you know why you're doing what you're doing, then, you know, if somebody comes in at a lower price, chances are they're going to go with that company over yours, even if they've had a good experience with you. And so the why, the mission, that is so huge for a company. And as I said, it's not sexy and the goals. And that needs to be completely through the company. Every single employee on every level should know what the mission and the goals are for the company. And if that's not established, there's definitely some things going haywire in there. How many businesses that, that you meet with just are completely missing this piece? Uh, I would say almost every single one. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, well, as part of why they are you know, consulting with me or why I'm consulting with them. Right. Um, Sometimes they have a mission established, but the company's been in business for a really long time and they haven't gone back to look at, you know, its relevancy to now or what's going on or, you know, the, all these different employees that are possibly in there. Um, and so it's a good thing to go and revisit on a regular basis because people want to get excited. You know, you're going to spend, I tell people this all the time, if you're going to spend eight hours, let's just say, a day, five days a week, where else do you spend that kind of concentrated effort on anything, right? I mean, and that's to bring in a paycheck typically. Well, why not make it an even better experience? People want to be inspired. Right. No, absolutely. These cultures that are about my generation, <laughs> Gen X, you know, like they're not interested in putting your nose down to the ground and, um, you know, working until you're exhausted because your boss said so, you know, like they need more. They, you know, these leaders need to have more skin in the game in terms of, you know, creating relationships with people because this generate, these generations are not going to put up with it. They have higher aspirations than just working for a company for 30, 40, 50 years and putting in their time. Like they want to make an impact in this world on a lot of different levels, socially, politically, all that. And if managers uh, that are typically in my age range aren't hip to that, they're missing the boat big time and they're going to have a really hard time keeping retaining. Yeah, they're going to have a tough time keeping that talent for sure. It's, uh, you know, leadership, as you mentioned, is about relationships, you know, with your, obviously with your clients and your customers, but also with your staff. You know, you have to be plugged in and understand what they're motivated by, where their passion lies and to plug them in appropriately and, you know, get the most out of them. What do you say to those companies that their mission is basically, hey, we want to make a ton of money for you. You'll be rich. You can <laughs> do whatever the hell you want with it. <laughs> what do you say to those businesses? Where they say, we don't need a mission. Look, the mission is make the money, go home, do whatever you want to do with it. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? You know, listen, we've been given this load of crap that like this life is about making all the money and having all the stuff. And don't get me wrong, I love all those things too. But the reality is, is we're human beings. And if you want to get the most out of your staff, treating them as though they are just a cog in the wheel is not going to create the results you want. That's not going to create the productivity that you want. And inevitably, if the productivity is not there, the profitability is not there. And also, the profitability is not going to be there if there's no relationship in place in, within your business. Because everything, as you know, leadership is top down. So if there's something going on in your company or if you are a leader in your company and things are not going well, 
um, I hate to point the finger, but you are the one dictating the environment. And so that is a difficult challenge for a lot of people in leadership because, you know, they've troubleshot their way to this point. And a lot of times they feel like they already know all the stuff. And um, the thing is, is if, if there's anything going on in your company that's not showing up how you want it to, you really ought to be looking at yourself as a leader, not as a blame thing, but where can I grow? Where can I take in new information? How can I disseminate this information across my company so that it makes sense? And listen, we need to be inspired, all of us. Not only like the leadership needs to be inspired, inspire others. That is absolutely the goal. Again, if you're going to spend that many hours a week doing something, it is about relationships with people and the human experience. And if you don't have you know, the EQ as a leader to understand that, you're going to be very challenged with keeping staff on a regular basis. No, it's true. I know you and I talked about the fact that most times it's a leadership problem, not an employee problem. And, you know, motivation by fear really doesn't work anymore. Like you say, the new generation, <laughs> it's not going to deal with that. Now, as far as is hiring right now, what do you think, you know, I looked at the number one reason, at least in my estimation from what I've experienced, when you talk to a company and say, you know, why did you miss out on that, on, on the great hire, or you missed out on hiring the right people, and where are you failing? And many people, it's that they didn't pull the trigger fast enough, and the person went elsewhere. So you want to look at why this happens so often. Is it because the company is being too picky and they're overthinking it? Are they waiting for the unicorn? I mean, or is it they're so unorganized and there's so many stakeholders and moving parts, they let the candidate slip through the cracks? I'm not sure. Have you seen this yourself? Yeah, and I have a couple of things to say about this. Um, you know, depending on what you're hiring for, certainly in upper management, middle management, on some level, they need to have some skills, right? They need to have a skill set. But more importantly than that is the leadership skill set, honestly. Um, this piece about these bigger companies that have a difficult time because there's so many people, like too many, um, too many people involved in the decision-making process, that's super challenging. And that's something that I've helped a lot of companies go through. Um, this goes back to those foundational pieces. Okay, so mission is first, mission and goals, of course. But then the other piece is scope, right? Like not only, like you need, like everybody needs to have scope of work so laid out, so detailed on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly basis. Like what is my job and what is the scope of work that I specifically do? And then recognize the human experience in terms of having too many people involved just creates more chaos. So deciding who is ultimately better at specific things, right? Like you don't, um, it doesn't make sense to have uh, all analytical people in the hiring process because you have to assess, you know, what skill sets are in terms of personality and when you're in the hiring process, if they're all analytical, then they're going to pick the best candidate based on the numbers. But if you're a company that has a super strong uh, culture and the culture is based on, you know, inspiration and things like that, then that's not a good fit, right? So just that assessment process um, in assessing like everybody's position and scope is so vitally important. 
And then, you know, getting a flavor of the entire company and that hiring process so that, you know, maybe you have an analytical person, maybe you have a, but it's not about like having so many people and processes in place that it slows down innovation, inspiration, movement, productivity. I mean, it just, those, those um, companies that have those many processes in place, they just get bogged down and then they miss the innovation part. They miss, you know, getting that um, well-fit employee. And the well-fit employee is not going to be happy in a situation like that. If there's too many people in charge, it just never works out that well. It just, it creates too many opinions and then it just slows everything down. And so, you know, making, you know, making a team of people that are responsible for, um, you know, uh, hiring and um, culture and those sorts of things individually, not one big group, but like, you know, breaking it down into smaller groups of um, a cross section of the company. That's great insight. You know, it's funny you read in my mind, I was going to ask, you know, some of the greatest challenges I've seen is not having a dedicated role carved out for hiring instead of having each manager, department manager hire for their own role. So, you know, the, the manager of the department, and obviously they'll be looped into the interview process and have input, but the fact that a lot of these places don't have a dedicated person, that's their core competency or department in charge of the hiring process. And of course, you have to have that team synergy there. Now, and you also mentioned something very, very important is setting the proper expectation, you know, the scope of service, having a roadmap, knowing where you're headed, knowing what your day-to-day is going to be you know, crystal clear. And if these businesses haven't defined their mission or their goals themselves, how are they going to give you realistic goals or expectations during the interview process? You know, I remember one business I was working with, we were working with, where the, they, there was a lot of uh, team synergy. And during the hiring process, the individual candidate would meet with select members of the team or the whole team. They'd go out to lunch with that team. They'd get to know them. So that way, everybody had a share of voice in the decision-making process because they were really, really adamant about having the right fit in that team. And then when the first day came around, there was already somewhat of a camaraderie there. And it was an easy integration into that team. It was the transition was perfect. So it's just, it's just the way to go. Absolutely. And it depends on the business. Obviously, as you mentioned, it really depends on uh, their culture. And speaking of culture, I know you talk about assessing your current staff and your culture. How, do, how have you seen businesses that you've worked with do it now? Like what's the most common way of doing it and how should they be doing it? You know, if I'm being honest, most of the companies that I um, work with, they do do some sort of assessment process but it's sort of archaic. And, um, and so I always suggest an assessment that is uh, broader, that allows um, for you know, less of a yes and no, definitely a few you know, yes and no questions in terms of like I always give, like they have a questionnaire that goes out on a regular basis to their staff. And it's you know, maybe five questions four of which are yes, no, one of which is um, in detail, something, you know, uh, feedback of some sort or um, sort of a guiding question if there's a specific topic that they know they need some help in. And it looks more like I'm open to hearing what's not working out in the field because I'm in a management or leadership position. And when you come with whatever that uh, complaint or feedback is, I'd like to hear a solution. And does that mean that I'm going to use your solution? Absolutely not. 
but I will take it under consideration. Because the thing is, is when you're in a management or leadership position, you cannot be out in the field, so to speak, literally or figuratively. So you are managing the field from a distance, even when you're in the office with your team, because you are not on every phone call, you are not in every interaction. And so you, it, you really need that relationship with your team to be super strong because they are the eyes and ears out in the field. And, and so just giving, giving up or being a leader from a place that is not like I have all the answers. I'm just in charge ish. And, um, and I do appreciate your piece of this and your feedback and taking that in. And that is, you know, that's a very strong leadership skill when you can do that and, you know, put your ego aside and allow your staff to tell you like what's really going on. It's vitally important if you want to create um, some value for your clients. No, it really is. I've, I've used a tool in the past called Office Vibe, and it basically, like you're talking about, it sets up custom surveys and asks questions weekly that elicits feedback, and it's completely anonymous. So it really gives you a solid understanding of your culture and attitude of your staff, but it gives a voice to those that would normally be unheard and expose you to great ideas from passionate employees who want your business to stand out and succeed. These are people that have been blocked by middle management, and you know you really don't get the the true vibe and feeling of your business and you, you want to get their demeanor and their and their attitude and where they're coming from this allows them to do that so i love that now as far as engagement uh you talk about regular engagement and automated engagement what do you think right now we're in a crazy time we're in covid a lot of people are remote and you know it's it's it's, it's a different day and age what do you think how do we engage people in this crazy environment we're living in right now it's super challenging right now because we are human and we love community. Like we are all about like being in community with people and creating that over zoom or whatever platform your company is working with um, is super challenging because, you know, we love, um, so we always talk about like verbal um, exchange, but there's all kinds of other, you know, energy exchanges that go on just when you're having a conversation with somebody. You can tell if they're happy, sad, whatever, and that all gets filtered out through these platforms. And so it's super challenging. And so kind of lightening the load, right? So just, and then also recognizing that um, people have a lot more going on. Like I'm a single mom. I'm working from home. I've always worked from home, but usually my kiddo is gone for six hours a day. So I have a solid six hour block of time to work. I don't have that now because she's at home um, and I'm halfway educating her, right? So there's just all these other external challenges that are going on too. And recognizing that, you know, and recognizing that they're people and going, instead of going after like your production is down and this is not going well, how about, you know, what's going on for you? You just start with that conversation, allow it to take its, its however it goes and understanding that people just have a lot going on right now. Yeah, I know you have to, you have to. And what about some, maybe some tips and tricks to inspire these people uh, over virtual and how to communicate effectively virtually? Some people are, are kind of challenged with that right now. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people challenged with that, especially people who are not, um, you know, typically if they're a little more shy or maybe have some self-confidence issues, um, this Zoom thing and then being on the video and all that is super challenging. Um, so I do a lot of exercises and tools in terms of self-confidence. And so 
recognizing that, you know, we're all sort of like, uh, this zoom thing or the camera thing or all of these technology things, not necessarily in all of our wheelhouse. And, um, so, you know, I just, I just say, so what, you know, so yeah, it feels um, different and whatever. And so what? And so I use different word triggers for people so that they can, um, you know, stop the internal dialogue that goes on in our mind. You know, so what? Um, I'm challenged at technology. So what? I have to sit on this video call and like fake a smile. <laughs> so what? Um, this person that I'm dealing with is not doing whatever I uh, need them to do. And really, you know, there's so many different tools that I could talk about, but the reality is, is we need to learn. The one thing we can control is us, right? Is our experience, how we're experiencing this world and what's going on. And if you can find any way to trigger a happier thought than this isn't working out or this is super scary or whatever those things are that are going on, or I don't like this video or whatever. If we can, you know, create like um, a focal point. Um, sometimes I'll say put a wallpaper on your phone or your computer or stick a picture that brings you joy on some level instantly. Like just for example, I have a client that loves puppies. And so she has little pictures of puppies everywhere and as ridiculous as that sounds, she gets to reset every time she sees the puppy. And that is vitally important because otherwise you start to go down the rabbit hole of all the negative stuff that's going on. And there's a lot to pick from right now. <laughs> um, I know here in Oregon, we had fires, we have COVID, we've got some political unrest happening, you know, injustice and all this stuff. And so it's just a lot collectively as humans, but on an individual level, we can just pull in and say right here right now everything's okay i'm gonna look at this puppy and then i'm gonna keep moving forward oh this other thing happened it didn't feel good look at the puppy again move forward and as simple as that sounds just that little adjustment the practicing of the mindset shift makes a difference yeah no it absolutely does now real quick question here Aaron now we talk about retention it's a big thing you know getting people to the door that's one thing but keeping them there's another right and you've talked to me in the past about what keeps people at your business and it's not the money what is that what are what's keeping people at your business happy full of purpose ready to win for you the number one thing as you said is not money it is being valued as a human all we want to know is, do we matter? Does our input here matter? Am I making a difference somehow? And if you can get your employees to feel as though they are number one employee in the entire company, that is the hugest win. And how you do that is you treat them like humans and recognize and adjust that emotional intelligence we talked about before recognizing when somebody is a high producer and they're having a hard time, you know, having the personal conversation versus like, how come the numbers are down? You know, why is, you know, why are you not producing like you were before? What's going on on a personal level, right? Establishing those relationships, letting them give you feedback, knowing that you don't have all the answers, leaning on them and saying, what do you think is a solution, right? Not that you have to use their solutions, but let them be a part of this whole thing. And 
um, they're human too. And there's just so many different factors involved. No, absolutely. Tons of factors. And what, what I see being missing and what I see people being affected the most during the hire process is the onboarding process and the lack thereof. And when you bring somebody in, like you're recruiting, let's say LeBron James into the Lakers, you know, <laughs> why would LeBron want to join the Lakers? You know, and you really roll up the red carpet and you've seen these college recruitment videos where they take them into an empty arena, they announce the person's name and it's this crowds roaring and it gets this big vision of grandeur and they really treat them like they are their top priority. And first impressions last forever. You don't forget that. And it just sets the tone for the rest of the relationship. And that creates a winning culture from the beginning, you know, from soup to nuts. And I think you're right. I think it, it really goes a long way in retaining that top talent. And of course, giving the personal touch when you're in one-on-ones or in feedback sessions, you're right. You have to obviously lead with the good, share what needs to be improved, but then have a game plan for how you're going to take them over the line. And you're going to take a vested interest in their success. You're going to take ownership of their success and you're going to lead from the front and ensure their success. So there's a lot of that lacking today. Trust me. I mean, I see it across the board. And I think that, you know, having personal relationships with your staff, I'm not talking about having them over for dinner every weekend or anything like that. I'm just saying, treat them like humans and they will produce over and over and over again for you. Show them that they have value. They will show up and do the stuff and take the feedback and improve. And, and that's the thing. And that really is the thing. No, it really is. I mean, engagement is so important and motivating is so important. There's so many ways of doing this. There's so many ways to incentivize this. There's so many ways to set up a proper team. And it really depends, like you say, in their culture. But it, it all starts, like you mentioned, from really identifying your purpose, your mission, your vision, and having that align with your employees and vice versa. There has to be the proper match, and there's so much to that. Any last words of wisdom or anything you'd like to share with the audience before we wrap up? Well, I think, um, I think we all know that we're our own worst enemies. And so when we can wrap our minds around understanding that we are much harder critics on ourselves than anybody else could possibly be and uh, stay the course, you know, we get inspired to do things stay that course. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, do the same thing over and over again if the results aren't there. But what I am saying is get super inspired about something that you just know you're meant to be sharing with this world and don't give up because we are dying to see what that is and everybody has their own unique gift. And um, when you find what that is, anything's possible. Aaron, last question. Um, it's a personal question. I just want to get to know you a little bit better. I know you live in Oregon, but let's say you retire to an island for the rest of your life and you can only bring one book, one movie, and one album. What would they be? Ooh. Oh, this is so good. I love this. Um, oh, gosh. Okay. So I am torn between two books, and I'm just going to say I have to have two because <laughs> I'm a voracious reader. One is Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth, which completely blew my mind and changed the way I view the world. And the same with Gary Zukav's The Seed of the Soul. Both of those books had a profound impact on how I see this world and people. Um, my 
I think my favorite album is Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life. Uh, I grew up listening to it, and um, who doesn't love Stevie Wonder? <laughs> What's not to love there? Um, and then movie. Ooh, that's challenging. I love, love Avatar. Um, that movie had so many different levels of, you know, it was super entertaining and um, also just had a deeper level that I thought was very interesting. So I would say that movie. There you go. Awesome. Aaron, how do we get in touch with you? How does the audience uh, reach out and uh, learn more about what you do? Uh, well, you can follow me on Instagram at Aaron Mac LLC. Um, I post, uh, you know, of course, inspiring memes and, videos um i happen to be writing a book right now on the addiction to anxiety and overwhelm so i'm posting like strategies and tools for that right now on instagram um you can reach me on my um uh website which is erin macom um, and there's also videos and all kinds of information on how to engage me um, either consulting personally for your company mindset classes, that sort of thing. And I'm also, of course, on LinkedIn and uh, Facebook under the same Aaron Mack LLC. Awesome, Aaron. It's been a pleasure. Loved having you on. And uh, good luck with the course. I know it's going to do fantastic. And let's definitely stay in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. And I love talking about this stuff. So another opportunity uh, is just what it's just uh, makes my day. Fantastic. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. All right. Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line.